Welcome to the Statesman Journal's Explore Oregon podcast. I'm your host, Zachary Ness, and in each episode, producer David Davis and I highlight Oregon's most beautiful and interesting places. This podcast is brought to you by the American Forest Resource Council, supporting responsible forestry on public lands throughout the Pacific Northwest. Learn more at amforest.org. We're also supported by Visit Tillamook Coast, a land of ocean and forest just an hour from the Willamette Valley with a new recreation map you'll hear about later in the show. Finally, the Oregon Parks and Recreation Department reminds Oregonians to enjoy the outdoors this summer, seek uncrowded areas, know their limits, and don't just be careful, be insanely careful with any campfires or flames. That's always good advice, but it's also worth noting that many of Oregon's campgrounds and recreation sites have banned campfires due to extreme fire danger. Indeed. Okay, so in this podcast, we are welcoming a special guest to talk about hunting for treasure on the Oregon coast beaches in the form of beautiful agates and gemstones. But first, here's some guitar music to get us rolling. All right, in this edition, we're joined by Eric Davis, the owner and operator of At Oregon Coast Agates, an Instagram account that he uses to share information about hunting these gems on the Oregon coast and inland watersheds. Eric is a pharmacy technician who immediately fell in love with agate hunting when he moved to the coast, and he's developed a really fun following of more than 4,000 people that enjoy his daily posts and pictures and reports. And he joins us today from the northern coast. Eric, thanks for being here. Uh, Thank you for having me. Okay, in this edition, Eric and I are going to do two things. First, we're going to discuss the science and craft of agate hunting. We'll talk about what these gemstones actually are, why people flock to find them, and Eric's path in discovering everything about them. In the second half of the show, we'll discuss the ins and outs for beginning hunting on uh, Oregon agates on the coast, including suggestions on good beaches, what to look for, and stuff like that. So does that sound like a plan, Eric? That sounds like a plan. All right, let's start with a simple question. So what are agates? I mean, I hear words like petrified wood and and jasper thrown around. I kind of know what an agate looks like, just being, you know, the kind of the pretty rocks that you come across on the beach. But what are we talking about geologically? You know, how do these stones kind of form and then get spread into these different locations so that we can find them on a place like the Oregon Coast Beach? Agates themselves are a semi-precious gemstone, uh, first and foremost. Um, But they are also one form of uh, chalcedony, which is a microcrystalline quartz. Both agate and jasper are both varieties of chalcedony. And um, it's hard to talk about one without talking about the other. They are in a way both from the same exact mineral. What separates the two is is their diaphaneity, their ability to transmit light through it. Agates on one side of that spectrum will be semi-transparent to translucent, The jasper uh, will be on the other side of it being completely opaque with no light able to pass through it. Gotcha. Okay. And where where are these coming from? It's my understanding that it's part of volcanic activity that Mm -hmm. they form below the the surface, um, you know, in in high pressure areas. And then they eventually like get dislodged. And then that's how we find them. Is that is that kind of how it works or is it a little more complicated? I'm I'm sure it is uh, a little bit more complicated than that. You know, mainly, you know, agates form in areas of volcanic activity where where water is uh, rich in dissolved silica 
flow through fractures and cavities of rocks. And when that solution is concentrated, uh, a silica gel can form on the walls of these cavities. That gel will slowly crystallize to form microcrystalline quartz, aka calcitonite. Well, do you have a favorite kind of agate? Like, is there, is there one type that you keep an eye out more for others when you, when you come across them, either because of the color or the pattern? Or Yeah, there's frankly too many to choose. I, <laughs> I feel like a lot of times the, uh, the ones that are most sought after are the ones that are not commonly found in your area. So um, I would say here on the coast, uh, cardelian agates, um, those are agates with a bit of orange or red uh, those are more far and few in between. Those are a little bit more rare to find here. Um, on the coast, we typically find a lot of clear and white uh, material, um, but there's also some nice blue ones, some beautiful blue uh, chalcedony and agates. Yeah, it's, uh, it's just always exciting to find something new, I think. Is it kind of a treasure hunt? Like, do you, do you feel like every time you're going out that you're, you, you might find something new or something super cool? Yeah, I, I grew up uh, watching the Goonies, as a kid and um you know to be able to live here on the oregon coast you know where where that that movie you know was filmed and to to be a part of that kind of lifestyle and that culture and tie it into my everyday adventure is uh very cool gosh so do you when you come across a really good collection of agus you feel like you're finding one-eyed willie's gold <laughs> i wish every day the the ocean washes the slate clean and uh you know you can visit the same beach every day and it's different Gotcha. Well, you started this Instagram account and unlike a lot of agate hunters that I know, you know, you actively share a lot of information about where you're finding them, you know, some reports and conditions and stuff like that. And it's become pretty popular. Like it's a real active, fun page. What what made that what made you decide to begin sharing this way as opposed to wanting to, you know, keep all your best places a secret? <laughs> well, uh, you know, for the record, my uh, best places are still kept a secret. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> you know, in, in, a, in a way, it almost started kind of as a, a little bit of an inside joke uh, with my wife and I. We, you know, when we first came to the Oregon coast, we were, we were jokingly saying that, um, you know, I wish that there was something like an agate report that coastal communities or beachgoers or agate hunters could tune into. It would be something as simple as a photo of a certain beach on that day showing gravel bed conditions, gravel bar conditions of that particular beach. And, you know, we kind of just jokingly like, oh, we should start something like that. We post a photo of a beach, you know, of a hot spot, an agate hotspot beach. This is what it looks like, to, you know, here today. People know what conditions to expect. On the, on the opposite side, you, you went to a beach, you take a picture, there are no agates anywhere. Take a picture of that and let people, hey, don't come here today. It's not good. And we, we did initiate an, a hashtag, hashtag the agate report. We, we figured that anybody that wanted to participate in this could tag their, their post with that hashtag and it would all interconnect at some point. You know, if people started following that particular hashtag, it could be a beneficial thing for, for the community, you know, or for any tourist or any visitor to the coast. Well, I think that there's a lot of interest in something like an agate report. I mean, as, as somebody who who likes it, but, you know, certainly is is nowhere close to an expert or, or anything like that. When I'm out on the coast, like I would I want to know where to go. Like, I don't want to have to check out like five different beaches, like just to find one that, that's halfway decent. So have you found that, though? Like, is there is there a hunger out there for that kind of information on, you know, what's kind of an, a, a niche subject? You know, one thing that I 
had never realized is, you know, how many rock hounds there are out there and in Oregon specifically. And I get messaged all the time from people, you know, simply asking me, is there any places I can recommend for them? Is there anything that you know of in this area that can, you know, make us have a, a memorable weekend? You know, and I always do my best to, uh, you know, to put people on the right path. But yeah, I, I feel like there is absolutely kind of uh, an, an, a desire for, for something along those lines to exist. And uh, I think it might just take some time and, and, you know, the right people tying it all together to, to make it work. Right on. Well, you, you've got a good start there. So let's dive, let's dive into some of the, the nuts and bolts of agate hunting. So generally speaking, what makes for a good agate beach? Like what elements are you looking for if you're driving along 101, thinking about places to stop and hunt? What's, what's the secret sauce? You know, I, I think the first thing to do is, you know, if you're planning on going into a certain area, <laughs> give it a Google, you know, just see if uh, that that's even anything that pops up at all. Because sometimes you might be in a completely you know, dead zone areas with, with nothing. But as you're driving down the coast and you're just kind of looking at beaches, uh, things that you want to look for are large beaches with, uh, you know, a rocky high tide line. You want to look for gravel beds or gravel bars surfacing through the sand. Um, also, you would like to uh, st stay near creeks and rivers and uh, streams where they intersect with the sand itself. Gotcha. So is it is it primarily looking for like something more than because some of those beaches on the coast, you know, they're just like straight sand. There's not a lot lot else going on. So what you're looking for is kind of, you know, I, I want to see more rocks interspersed within the sand or I want to see a creek coming down and like a rock bed appearing through that. Like you want a, a little irregularities going on. Yeah, you're kind of looking at it slightly different with a mountain stream or a creek or a river coming in from from the mountains. It's coming in and um, that that current is pushing through the sand at the beach. And what it's doing is just revealing, it's pushing that sand away and revealing all that gravel that is down there buried beneath the sand. That's why you'll tend to have a little bit better luck along a creek or a river is just because that's water that's always flowing. So things are essentially always tumbling down it and, and it's always just revealing is that kind of the trick? I mean, is is it's like the agates are there, but you're waiting for something to kind of reveal them, whether it's the tide or or a creek or something. You're just looking for good places where they're going to be exposed and you can actually get to them. A lot of times it's the tide. For example, I was at Oceanside Beach today and um, there was gravel scattered all throughout the beach and it was really decent, but there are so many people there. So you, you're, you're assuming it's been picked uh, through pretty good already, just based on how many other people are here doing it. So the idea is that once um, the next high tide comes in, that tide is going to completely wipe the slate clean again, and it's going to reveal a whole nother batch of gravel, which will then in turn be full of agates again. So, so we've talked about kind of some things to, to, to look for, you know, having a lot of rocks at the high tide line, you know, maybe having a creek coming down, you know, going in after, you know, right after a high tide. Um, anything else that, 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 you know, beginners should, should, should consider uh, as, as they start getting out there? I always tell a beginner uh, agate hunter um, to search a little bit more the waves, uh, where the waves are receding off of the... Um, you know, towards the edge of the sand, not towards the high tide line, more towards the low tide line. Uh, those waves kind of continuously reveal 
agate pieces and also when the agates themselves are wet, uh, they seem to be a little bit easier to identify and, and to find. Gotcha. So right, right down there at the at the water. Do you have a favorite season to to agate hunt? Uh, because it strikes. I mean, the Oregon coast uh, can be pretty quiet during the winter, pretty darn busy during the summer. So you know, is there an upside or downside to you know uh, looking for agates either in the summer or the winter? What's the what's the trade off there for seasons? Uh, there's definitely pros and cons uh, for each. The winter is by far the better producing. Uh, time of year for for coastal beach agates. You're getting those because of the surf, the rough surf is churning up everything on the shoreline. Uh, sometimes it's the surf is removing the sand completely down to the bedrock. And that's just prime atmosphere for agate hunting. You know, if, if you're in an area where you're actually seeing the bedrock and there's no sand at all, um, you're in a good spot. But then, you know, alternatively, usually, uh, you know, way, way more inclement weather. You've got some other issues to, to be conscious of, like uh, sneaker waves, I feel like are more common in the winter. And then, you know, you also have the king tides. So there's there's definitely some uh, good reasons to be out there in the winter. But there's certainly some things to be very aware of and very conscious of. Yeah, that makes sense. So winter agate hunting on the coast definitely sounds sounds like the better option as far as getting, you know, more 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 gems and stuff. But we're also told, you know, never turn your back on the ocean. But that feels like kind of hard to do if you're looking, you know, real closely for agates. So do you have any tricks for both, you know, keeping your eye down for what you're looking for, but also being aware of what's happening around you? <laughs> yeah, I do. Um, it's uh, have another set of eyes watching your six. <laughs> Most of the time I, I go out uh, agate hunting with my daughter and we walk together and I always have her walking a, a, a little short distance away from me, but she's kind of watching my back and I'm watching her back and I've got her trained to fully understand what it is that we're watching out for, you know, monster sneaker waves, anything that looks like it's, you know, incoming in the horizon. So, so, so agate hunting with a buddy is, is a good option. <laughs> it's always a good, it's always a good, uh, a, a good option. And don't get me wrong. There are plenty of times where I'm, I'm out solo, you know, you're, you're not watching the ocean the whole time, but you try to, uh, use your ears more. You do try to be conscious in going out on a, on an outgoing tide as well. So one of the things I, I usually tell people too, is to, uh, pick up a tide app on your phone realistically you want to be going out uh, about two hours or so before low tide so that when you're there you know you have you know a couple of hours of the tide still outgoing before it's even ever going to start coming back in gotcha so you, it gives you a, a little extra time let me let me let me ask you this okay so you're out there on the beach you know, you found a, a good beach that has maybe a creek coming in. You can see some exposed rocks. You're there maybe two hours before, you know, as the tide's going out before high, uh, low tide. When you're there, I mean, do you look super carefully in, in one area and do you dig down or do you try to cover like a wide range of area and like find a hot spot and then focus on it? Or what's your method once you're actually out there? I, I have one, uh, I have one rule that seems to always, you know, come true and, 
that's where there is one agate, there are more. You know, if you find one, there's going to be another one like right nearby. Just just look harder. You know, and it's almost always true, which is really funny. I've never just found just the one. We have uh, variable techniques. You know, a lot of times I'll see people or, you know, myself, you'll just kind of walk kind of an S pattern during the whole uh, duration or the whole length of the shoreline, weaving up and down in little almost grid grid like rows you can pretty much scan a whole area pretty well if especially if your eyes are adapted to it and what do what are your eyes kind of looking for are you looking for something that looks shiny are you looking for something that looks you know kind of translucent like you were saying are you looking for something that looks colorful is it all of the above what what catches your eye at first when you get to a beach and you're you know staring at a endless uh, rock rock wall or rock bar you know, you, you notice that all the rocks are gray. I feel like it starts off just trying to um, identify the oddball out. If 95% of these rocks are gray, I'm going to be looking for the 5% that are not gray. You know, so immediately my eyes are filtering out anything that's gray, even though there's probably something that some cool gray stuff out there. But that's not what we're after. And the agates come in all different colors. I mean, is, is it pretty much every color of the rainbow that you can find that have that agate quality to them? Or is there something that's like, oh, this isn't really an agate, it's just a cool rock? Or what, what, what is that mix? There are, I would say, agates can, can be found in every single color. Um, maybe not in this particular region, but, you know, globally, um, there are agates, you know, in South America that are just spectacular that they don't have here. It's just, you know, there's there's definitely some really cool regional ones. We have some really great ones um, around this country. The Lake Superior agates over there, they're completely different. We don't get those over here at all. Every little region has its own kind of different history and it's and it's different, um, you know, impurities mixed into it to, to make it what it is. But yeah, there's definitely agates in every color. Here on the coast, I could say that I found your your typical white and gray. Um, I found black and blue. I found red, orange, a kind of a, a total variety of all of those two shapes and sizes. Gotcha. Is there one classic type of Oregon coast agate? Like, is there... Is the Oregon coast known for a specific time? Because you're, you're kind, you were mentioning like the Lake Superior agates or, you know, one in a different part of the country. Is there one that the Oregon coast is known for? I don't believe that there's, you know, one particular like type that the Oregon coast is known for. Um, but they do have, um, I want to say that there are agates with inclusions um, on this coast. And I know agates with inclusions are found elsewhere as well, but um, that's uh, those are really cool agate types that we are able to find here right on our coast, even as close as in Lincoln City and, and in Depot Bay. Um, I've had some really good luck over there. What does agate with inclusion mean? Like, what is the what is that visually? What, one of the characteristics of a of a typical agate would have banding inside of it. Yeah, yeah, like where there's kind of streaks of streaks of color. You know, try to visualize it as a, a silica gel layer that formed chalcedony and then another layer and then another layer to create this kind of banded effect. So that's that's one characteristic of a typical agate banding. Agates with inclusions uh, do not have banding. Um, agates with inclusions have uh, some other things that have uh, formed inside the agate during its process, during its creation. 
And, um, you know, for example, there's something called a saginite or a saginitic agate. And that would be an agate that would um, look like it has a, a burst of needles inside of it. So it, it looked very pretty. P uh, people would, you know, try to um, cut and polish and, you know, that those would be turned into jewelry. Once you, you, um, you know, do you bring rocks home and then use a rock tumbler or a polisher? Like, do, do you add that as like a, you know, is that a critical part of agate hunting? Like to, to polish them up and make them look prettier? Or do you like them just kind of the way they are? A little bit of both. Um, I've, I've never had a tumbler or anything until just uh, recently. My, my family and I put together enough funds to, to get a large capacity tumbler specifically because of the amounts uh, that we've accumulated over time. We've, we're, we're kind of brand new into that um, category as well. We've, we're, we've got our first batch tumbling right now. And uh, I think we're all just pretty uh, curious and anxious to see what happens. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So la last question, you mentioned, you know, bringing home a ton of them. What, you know, and I've seen pictures of them that, that you post and it's pretty impressive, but what do you ultimately do with the agates like do you, they just populate your house do you make are you thinking about making jewelry with them what do you what do you actually do with them we've just been in the you know collecting phase we're trying to be more picky about the ones that we actually bring home versus just taking everything that you you might see in a photo that we've taken you know so we're trying to do our best to, to pick and choose a little bit and to take those home and right now they, they kind of get categorized in a series of mason jars you know, where it's it's kind of undetermined at this time exactly uh, what will become of all of them. and But, you know, there's definitely talk about, you know, do we sell any? We, we get inquiries uh, through Instagram uh, off, often, you know, are, are any of these for sale? You know, the answer is uh, we haven't really thought of, of that, but it's it's not out of the realm of, of possibility. You know, I, I could see something like that happen if, if um, you know, we had the right tools and the, and the means to do it. Because I think it could be really cool. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. All right, well, we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. When we come back, Eric and I are going to dive into some of his favorite places to hunt for agates and what to bring along. So more on that when we continue. I'm Andy Geisler. I'm a forester at the American Forest Resource Council, and we're proud to sponsor the Explore Oregon podcast. Like you, I love the outdoors. On many days, the forest is my office. I work on the ground with public lands agencies on good forest management projects. Forest management helps achieve important conservation goals while providing sustainable timber. Science-based forestry helps improve wildlife habitat, outdoor recreation, clean air and water. And it's essential to providing renewable, climate-friendly wood products. Learn more about us at amforest.org. All right, our newest sponsor is Visit Tillamook Coast, a land of ocean beach, ancient forest, and a shocking number of beautiful places you might never have heard of, all centered around towns like Manzanita, Pacific City, and Tillamook. This is a beautiful area to visit, and the best way to plan a trip here is by looking at their newly created trails and recreation map. The map features 800 different sites from campgrounds to beaches to hiking trails. My favorite thing about the map is that it breaks down activities into 13 categories. So say you're looking for a campsite. Just click on the drop-down menu and 22 different campsites appear. And you can get information on each one. 
If you're looking for a hike or a way to get on the water, the map has 40 different trails and 48 boat ramps, all laid out on an easy-to-navigate digital map. To find the map and get started, visit tillamookcoast.com recreation hyphen map. All right, welcome back. If you're a beginner to agate hunting, just picking the right spot and getting out to do it can feel a little overwhelming. So in the second half, Eric and I are going to discuss his favorite agate hunting locations or some of them along the Oregon coast. I thought we'd start on the north coast before making our way south. So before we start, uh, what about equipment? Do you do you usually bring a backpack? Do you bring like a little uh, grabber claw or anything like that? Uh, when you hit when you hit the beach, like what what's 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 your game? Like what what, what do you have equipment wise? <laughs> yeah, this is a cool question because I uh, I love gear. But I, I would say like I have a lot of those things, but what I bring with me is uh, kind of mission specific. You know, to uh, if, if I'm going to a beach, I'll bring different stuff than if I'm going to a river. You know, things change with the seasons as well. You know, just a typical beach day, I would definitely be bringing, uh, I'm, I'm almost always in either water shoes. I wear shorts, you know, I know I'm going to get wet. A lot of times I know I'm going to go a little further than the than the average Joe. And sometimes that means I'm, I'm getting wet to, to get to where I'm trying to get to. So I know I'm going to get wet. I plan on that. And, uh, other than that, you know, I bring, I bring some, uh, a waterproof, usually a waterproof dry bag, um, which I can throw some, some electronics in. Sometimes I bring, you know, my phone, I bring a, a camera as well. Sometimes I do some uh, freelance photography as well when I'm out. So I do bring some equipment like that. Gotcha. Okay. And, you know, I did want to focus on the coast just because, you know, we're, we're kind of coming into the rainy season when, you know, the, the rivers and creeks fill up. But just real quickly, you know, kind of a Reader's Digest version, you know, if you're heading up a, a creek bed, are you doing kind of the same, you know, processes out on the beach or, or how is it different when you're, you're heading up more, more of like an inland creek bed or something like that? One thing that comes to my mind that I bring every single time with me is uh, a staff that I can use to walk with or to brace myself with when I'm walking in, walking in and on these, these river stones, which are always moss covered and wet. And they're just, you know, it's a, it's a twist your ankle kind of at every, every point, you know, kind of uh, terrain. So I find myself always bringing a staff of some sort with me, a trekking pole or, you know, a piece of uh, bamboo. Um, so I always bring something like that. You know, and in the past, I actually have brought, um, there's there's a product out there. It kind of looks like uh, a little four-inch uh, screen scoop on the end of a trekking pole that telescopes. So you can, you know, you can reach down pretty deep into the water and scoop something out, you know, without getting absolutely soaked. Okay, cool. Well, let's jump back out on the coast because, again, it's it seems like it's kind of coast season coming up with the, you know, the, win- the winter season and the, the rivers and creeks filling up. So let's start where, where you live on the north coast. Uh, I think you mentioned the Cape Mirrors to Cape Lookout and Oceanside areas is a good treasure trove for you. So if it's not too top secret, uh, I'd love to hear just a few beaches that you frequent out there and kind of why they're good spots. Cape Mirrors has a huge headland and... Um... Both sides of the Cape basically are good. I found agates and Jasper, for that matter, uh, all up and down Cape Mears. Um, south of that, you uh, are in a place called Short Beach. And uh, Short Beach is another uh, little hidden gem 
of a beautiful place. This place uh, feels magical uh, when you go down there. It's, I, I always feel like a lot of these places are more than just an agate hunting location. It's, it's, it's a full on experience and adventure, you know? So if you don't even come out of there with agates, you should come out of there feeling like you still had a ton of fun. And it was amazing. Short beach um, recently has had some extremely low tides and uh, I've actually been able to go out further and explore the coast, uh, the coastline itself further than I ever have be- been before. Basically got into this one sea cave recently and I found a beautiful blue, blue agate inside there. And it had like orange water lines on, on the side of it. And it was just spectacular. And is, is that is that kind of the uh, the best thing that you find is like just getting out as far as you can go. So just following that low tide out is is as far as you can go. You know, I always I always try to put myself in a in a perspective that where where doesn't the average agate hunter go? You know, I'm trying to I'm trying to look and find new spots. I'm trying to find spots that maybe people don't even know exist as spots, but they are all over that area. Further down uh, Short Beach, you know, there's a really beautiful cave system um, that takes you to Lost Boy Beach. Uh, Lost Boy Beach is just incredible. The next beach after that is Oceanside's Agate Beach. There's a there's a beach at Oceanside called Agate Beach um, <laughs> on certain maps. I don't know if they actually call it that, but it's, you know, if you Google map it and zoom in, it'll say Agate Beach. Um, and that beach is always really prominent with uh, really good finds. I found um, I found stuff there that was you know baseball size and bigger. You know, in my hand, I, I found you know a piece. I found one piece there that was as bigger than my hand, and that's definitely the biggest agate I've ever found right there. You know, you can even go out to the Oceanside Beach itself, where the parking lot is, and then uh, Neatarts to the south has. Uh, a whole nother section that gets revealed with the tides. Excellent. Well, those, those are some really good um, ideas. Those are, you know, I'm out there a lot and I've, I haven't heard of some of those beaches. So if nothing else, it's a fun thing to just go out and see a new beach and then, you know, just add the fun of, you know, going on this little uh, treasure hunt. You know, let's move a little ways towards the south, towards the Florence area, maybe between uh, Yaquina and Hasita Head on the central coast. What are some places out there that you suggest? And is agate hunting the central coast different than the north coast in any big way? I I feel like it. I feel like you get you you get a different experience in each part of the coast, you know. And it's even even if it's with the terrain features or the atmosphere, I feel like it is slightly different. Um, but yeah, on the central coast in that area, you've got some really great spots. Pretty much starting up and around Newport. And, um, I mean, there's, there's, there's some stuff just, just North of Newport as well. Um, and just South of the uh, South jetty there. Excellent, uh, fossil hunting area right there. Um, which is another, you know, could be another topic too, but yeah, they, it starts off right there with some excellent fossil hunting, uh, marine fossils. Even in this area, I've found, agatized fossils. So these are essentially uh, bivalve clam fossils that have been preserved in this like nigh mudstone. 
And when you polish, you know, when you clean them up and you get them out of that mudstone, you clean them up, you can see that the whole inside of the clam has been replaced by chalcedony or agate. They call it an agatized fossil. So there should be an agate inside that clam shell in the shape of a clam. Yeah, that's uh, that sounds really cool. So that's that's something kind of uh, a little bit unique to that area that like might not exist in other parts of the coast. That coast uh, is very fossil rich. And does that continue, uh, you know, as you get further south down there, or do you find more places for agates? What what are a few spots that jump out like as you as you continue south uh, towards Florence? For, first of all, it's such a stunning drive. Don't get too distracted by how beautiful the drive is. Um, and actually stop to take a, you know, a moment and, and get out at one of these little spots that a lot of people just drive right by. Um, starting in Yahats, uh, you will find some really great agates there. And then going south, you've got Strawberry Hill, you've got Bob Creek, and you've got um, Stonefield. And a little bit further is Neptune State Park. And I mean, and that's all within like a couple miles of each other. And that whole entire area is just populated every single day with agate hunters and people coming down there trying to trying to get in on it. Gotcha. All right. Well, let's move down to the the south coast. I mean, that's a huge area. You know, you got 140 miles of Oregon coastline between the Umpqua River and then the border with California. So first, is is it worth the drive for you? And again, is the agate hunting different down there? The agate hunting could be different in the sense of it. it's a very diff- different atmosphere and it's a very different experience. I know there's the, the Rogue River is a major producer of, of agate and jasper and petrified wood and a whole bunch of other goodies. And that just empties out right at Gold Beach. So it's, it's uh, something that if you wanted to, you could go upstream pretty significantly upstream and follow that back to these uh, beautiful gravel beds right in the river. What, you know, a lot of times what we do is, you know, we'll get into a float tube or a kayak and we kayak down a river and we kind of park at these little gravel beds periodically and, you know, check around and then keep moving on. We end up, you know, coming right back out to the ocean. Does that add a little bit of kind of fun to it? I mean, I, I love the Rogue River. I, uh, I used to live down in Grants Pass and, and rafted that a lot, um, but I never, I never did the thing that kind of you're talking about where you're sort of starting maybe at the ocean or a little bit upstream and then looking for gravel beds for agates. So does that add a little adventure to it? And I mean, are you, do you find, do you have a lot of success in those areas? Oh, absolutely. We do a similar thing in the Nehalem River as well, up up here on the North Coast. The Nehalem River is just, you know, is absolutely massive. And, uh, you know, it's 118 miles long. You can drive up the river and park, get out, and begin a float kind of excursion. At, at the very least, you're getting a fun float or a fun kayak experience, but also you're able to stop at all these rock bars that don't ever get trafficked because no, you know, because of how inaccessible they are. So you're kind of getting dibs on things that people don't even know about. Gotcha. That sounds like a lot of fun. Um... All right. Well, you know, rounding this out, uh, any any beaches on the South Coast that, uh, you know, maybe one or two that uh, that you're a big fan of or that uh, that you'd recommend? Oh, I mean, definitely Gold Beach, Cape Arago State Park. Those are both fantastic uh, spots to check out. I highly, highly recommend. 
All right, cool. Well, rounding this out, um, anything else you would want? I mean, I'm sure we could talk about this for another two hours and you wouldn't be able to cover anything, but any, any main points that you think people should know before they go out or, you know, just, 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 you know, pro tips, I guess, for lack of a better term, if you're just new to this and you're trying it for the first time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, pro tip number one is, uh, you know, know what you're looking for. You know, like I said, it wouldn't hurt to, to give it a Google and just get a, a visual image in your head to, so you know what you're looking for when you go out. You know, I've, I see a lot of people just kind of stumbling around. I, I ask them if they're agate hunting and they're, they're like, I'm not really sure what I'm hunting. <laughs> you know, I, I find that all the time, you know, so I, I, you know, take them and, oh, well, here, here's what an agate is, you know, and I give them one and, the, you know, it starts their day and I, and it, I think it really starts a spark within them too, where just like, oh, wow, that was an act of kindness and, uh, really cool. Thank you. You know, and it's, it's, uh, it, it feels, it's a good feeling, you know? Gotcha. So that's, that's almost going, you know, it's knowing the kind of fish that you're fishing for before you go out. You're not just throwing your line in the water. You know, you, you actually know some, you know, something concrete you're looking for. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. You know, and, you know, and, and another thing I, I, I tell people too, I, a, a lot of people that I see out on the beaches, they carry like plastic bags or, you know, these little buckets or, you know, something that, that they're, collecting all their finds and keeping them in. I, I always bring with me like a heavy duty mesh uh, cinch bag. And the idea behind my cinch bag is that, you know, as you fill it with, you know, whatever, at, at the end of it, you can just, you know, close the top of that and you can dunk the whole bag in the ocean and it cleans everything in one easy motion and then they dry, you know, so you don't have to do that later. I know it's a very simple thing, but like I always tell people to do that. It's such a game changer. Gotcha. All right. Well, we've been talking with Eric Davis, the owner and operator of Oregon Coast Agates. And you can find him on Instagram and at YouTube at Oregon Coast Agates. Uh, just a great place to find all kinds of fun information, to see great pictures of the agates. It's hard to describe in a podcast how beautiful some of these rocks are. So go down to his Instagram page and check him out. Eric, thanks so much for joining us today and, and kind of getting us started on this journey to, to finding some agates out on the coast. Oh, absolutely. I'm happy to be here and happy to help. Well, that's about all the time we have left in today's show. We hope this gave you some insight into ag hunting on the Oregon coast. If you like what you heard, make sure to check out our back catalog of what is now over 40 episodes featuring Oregon's most beautiful and interesting places at statesomjournal.com slash explore. You can also, as always, find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and even Spotify. We'd once again like to thank our sponsors, beginning with the American Forest Resource Council. AFRC supports responsible forestry and public lands throughout the Pacific Northwest for our environment, for our economy, and for our future. Learn more at amforest.org. We'd also like to thank Visit Tillamook Coast, a great place to plan your outdoor adventure with the help of their new recreation map. And thanks to the Oregon Parks and Recreation Department, which stresses the importance of recreating responsibly and leaving no trace in Oregon's outdoors. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us on the next edition of the Explore Oregon podcast.